Hello again, it is I, your friendly neighborhood AI here with a message just for you. Here it goes. Discologist is produced in partnership with you. Yes, that's right, you. We couldn't do this without your help. So if you enjoy the conversation you're about to hear or have enjoyed any of the over 500 episodes that have come before it, please consider supporting us by clicking in the link in the show notes that says support. Easy, right? Now that the business is out of the way, it's time to party. Are you ready? Let's get on with the show. All right, you know who everybody's cheering for, Ed? Uh, are, are, are they you? cheering? I can't hear them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, I, for? I put them in in post. It's fine. Oh, uh, okay. It's, it's fine. No, they're cheering for our next guest. Uh, you asked me recently, said, are we an interview show now? I don't mm-hmm. know, and I don't think so uh, in my gut. But also, as we come to the end of the season, you know, we like to rethink things every season, right? So maybe we will yeah. be. Maybe we will be. But regardless, great interview with Sean last week. Uh, you saw his show at DC9. And uh, yes. you can report. It was apparently fantastic. Incredible. Incredible, folks. Um, yeah, I mean, if you have a chance, I, I I just can't put it. There's there's like nothing to dress up here. If you have a chance to go see Sean Barna live, you should go. If it's Sean playing with his full band, you should absolutely go. And tell all of your friends uh, that they won't want to miss the show. I mean, it's yeah. it's you know the 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 components of his sound that that like call or hearken more toward like the hold steady than the Counting Crows, for example, are really pronounced in the live show. Yeah. That is a good, loud, clean band. Like they rock the fuck out. Nice, so nice. Go see it. Um. So we had him last week, and this week we have Robert Ellis. So there's two people yes. catching up with uh, Robert a little bit longer <laughs> than <Yeah. laughs> caught up with. Uh, you know, I, I I think we talked about this in the interview, but last time I talked to Robert in person was actually uh, was not when he stopped by my house in a nudie suit, uh, d- left directly the tiny desk, came to my house. We ended up drinking uh, Icelandic schnapps. Because <laughs> I just got back from Iceland, like after the thing, times have changed for him. Although I don't know that much, um, but uh, it was he came back to Washington D.C. and played a show at a venue called the Hamilton there. And Sean was not doing anything, and I had and uh, Robert gave me a ticket and a plus one, and he was like, "Hey," you, and so I brought Sean out, and Sean was like, "Oh shit, this guy's amazing!" Yeah, and uh, jump forward to like this March in Austin for. Austin City Limits, Sean meets Ellis again, and they hang out all night and party, and uh, the rest of the history, they're, they're friends. Uh, I, I love this, at least for this part of the, our timeline, I love it. <laughs> Everything <laughs> yes. else is shit, but um, he has a new album called yeah. Yesterday. Oh, oh you know? to unlock, oh, uh, like to unlock the secrets of that night someday, you know, we'll oh, yeah. find out. We'll find out everything that Robert and Sean talked about. Yeah. Um, but you're about to hear everything that we talked about with Robert. Uh, his fantastic new album called Yesterday's News Out is the follow-up to Texas Piano Man, which was a, a bombastic affair. This is not, this is very quiet. This is very contemplative. Uh, it is artful. It, I, I, I run out of like really like things to make this sound as good as it is, but fuck what an album 
Well, yeah, the, the the record is, you know, I was I was thinking about that that title, too. You know, it's one of those things. There's something with like old sort of like old American uh, like Tin Pan Alley and kind of like jazz standards yeah. where there's these these phrases that are like American idioms that don't really make sense to a non-native speaker. Oh, yeah. But they somehow become and, and yesterday's news is like such a perfect example of that. Like there there could definitely have been like a Charlie Parker standard named yesterday's news. And that would have made perfect sense, you know? Yeah. Um, but the album has that like kind of timeless, uh, charming quality. And Robert Ellis is a really charming guy too. It's like not fair that he's timeless. like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's like, he's like smart, gracious, like alert, dynamic, uh, a great musician. He's like, he's like basically us, but like really, really, really good at a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> Yeah, was... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think uh, about this, uh, and, and like, I hope this doesn't embarrass him, but just like, you know, in the time that I've talked to him, like, uh, he's one of the few artists that I know, like, personally, that is that is kind of iconic. Is it, it like this yeah. is like an American icon that people need to catch up on? And yeah. uh, I don't know when it'll happen. I, and I think he'll tell. I don't think he knows when it'll happen. But but I think uh, I'm pretty sure it'll happen. And, and I think he's pretty sure. Someday it'll happen, um, but uh, yeah. but we'll see. So uh, yesterday's news, if you haven't listened to the album yet, push pause, go and do that. And now that you have done that, let's get on with the conversation and we'll check back in uh, when we're done. So here you go. Robert Ellis talking to you, us, everybody about his new album, Yesterday's News and more. I, I, I use the line, I guess I'll be the only one who looks cool in pictures often. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, well, nice to see you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited uh, to get to talk about this. Um, my sister walked in at her wedding. Uh, she and her husband walked into Topo Chico. Um, yeah, they had like a whole They had like a whole thing planned around. Uh, table assignments were done by like numbered Topo Chico bottles. And, wow. Uh, so yeah, that was the that was the house music as they walked in. It was pretty that's fun. So, that's so so cool. Tell them to send me a check. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll I'll find out. I'll find out about the um you know what? Let me send a cease and desist letter to the venue and ask them if they had the rights to play that. Yeah. How about that? Always, yeah, all these bad reps. <laughs> always be hustling, man. Uh, <laughs> um damn. Okay. Uh yeah. So Hold. so so it's been a minute since we talked. Last time you came, we talked in person was you were leaving the tiny desk and you just showed up at my house in a nudie suit. And we're like, let's do the fucking thing. It's like, all right. And you were, that was behind Robert Ellis, your self-titled album. Yep. Kind of missed you on Texas Piano Man. Missed talking about that. Uh, but yeah. to cover that real quick, no notes fucking perfect album <laughs> done <laughs> like it would have yeah. been a short conversation and be like damn dude <laughs> like all right fuck yeah well i don't know why we didn't see each other on that tour because i did make the rounds yeah you were already, maybe you were already out of dc oh yeah definitely were yeah I'm... yeah so no notes on on texas piano man here and you've sort of done a lot in the time since then you've 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 spawned a few times <laughs> you've, I had, a couple, you had, a, had a couple kids which we'll talk about um you are now full-time in austin is that correct fort worth fort worth um, fort worth yeah 
And uh, you're starting a record label. I did start a record label. You did label. start a record yep. label. I think I heard um, you bought a bar, which we can talk about. I did about. buy a bar. <laughs> so, so you've been busy. But in that time, oh, you made a fantastic album with Courtney Hartman, Dear John. Yeah. Um, no. And But in that time, you went through the pandemic like all of us, and then out of this comes this album, Yesterday's News. So let's yeah. let's start with the, the sort of obvious here. You... Texas Piano Man was this like sort of majestic Elton John of like the South, the Southwest type of feel. Um, and you're no stranger to these quieter songs. That's what the Dear John album kind of is, you know, even though it's a lot of like cover songs. But what what drove you to like really pare this down to how like intimate it is? Because it really is just like your guitar and a bass really most of the time. Yeah. Right? Being an upright bass player. And it's all live, you know, it's very, um, very quiet, very like when we went into the studio to record it, Aiden Eubach, who's killer, fucking incredible bass player. I don't have a ton of notes for people of his caliber in terms of like, this is what you should play. Like, here's the bass. Like I would never presume to tell him how to play his instrument because he's, he's incredible, but we do go in with sort of some governing principles. And at the beginning of the session, as I'm kind of just showing him the songs and, you know, charting some stuff out, I'm like, the main thing I want is I just want everything to stay at pretty much a whisper. And anytime it feels like we're about to get excited, I want us to pull back and figure out, you know, like make the ceiling lower on the whole record so that there's just threshold of like, it won't go, it won't get excited. <laughs> like that was <laughs> Right. Right. Well, now, how much of a struggle was that for you? Because like, so like just when I'm like composing something, like I struggle with like uh, space, for example. Right. And, and, and even though you know that a finished product is going to sound very, very different from what you're doing, you're like, Oh, this has to, this feels empty. This feels like it's not working right now because there's something not there. So stepping down from Texas piano, man, how did you like bury that urge? Because that's all, that, well, everything is in there. Yeah, I mean, I think I tend to be pretty reactive, both as a writer and a player and like, you know, um, from album to album, I definitely see a sort of overarching narrative of like, kind of wherever I'm at, my instinct is generally to do something different um, on the next thing, you know, and, and to sort of just as, and especially in the writing, you know, like I just, I go through periods where I'm writing a ton for a record and usually like coming out of Texas Piano Man, I think it makes perfect sense in some ways that this whole thing was just very patient, very stripped back, like leaning into that silence and that space that you're talking about. Like, I don't know. I, I try to find with every project I'm doing, whether it's mine or somebody else's, like what is an interesting strength about this and how can I lean into it and sort of like give it, um, give it the attention it deserves sometimes at the expense of like the conventional elements, you know, I don't, I try to think often like, okay, we know that a song goes, uh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. And like, hopefully by the second chorus, intensity and volume should be at a certain level and you should hit this climactic point in the song and then everyone should be like those sort of things 
they're conventions for a reason because they really do work. But I'm not convinced they're the only things that work. Um, and in some regards, like, I think those overarching concepts, like, for instance, momentum, you know, how do you build arc from one point to another in a song? I just think they can be achieved in other ways if you think just a little more abstract about them. And like, I don't know, there are things about the quiet in this record and like the patience of it where I'm like, ah, man, normally my instinct would be to go to another verse right here. But instead, like the thing that's cool about this is all of that deliberate silence between statements. You know, like, I want to hear the guitar part four more times. Whereas if this was any other record, or if it was someone else's record, I'd be like, don't bore us, get to the chorus. Right, you know, right, like, right. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, I don't know. There was part of it too is the style. Like, I've been listening in the last few years to just a bunch of records that are very, like, vibey. And oh, yeah. uh, I many of my favorite records have four or five songs on them. And... Uh, a total runtime of an hour and 20 minutes. So like, yeah. Specifically talking about jazz records. Like I was listening yesterday to the Colm concert, the Keith Jarrett record. Oh yeah. That's, oh yeah. That record has four songs on it. Each of them 20 minutes long. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And I'm yeah. not fucking bored in the slightest by any of it. <laughs> yeah. That's, and that, that's an actual challenge. I think when you're writing, I actually did a, a, a 30 minute track for my 50th yes. birthday. Right, I love it, and it, and it was just like, and it, the way it develops, you're just sort of like, okay, I'm going like this. Is this boring? And for me, it was just like, I don't care. I, this is just how yeah. this is the process to get that. So, with that in mind, though, like if you're doing work like this, and even in like the bigger, more blown out songs, is there a point where you're working on a song like this that you are like, okay, this is this is locked in. I know what this is gonna be whether it's through the like lyric writing or just like music. Well, most of the songs were pretty fleshed out before I went in, especially ones that are more conventional form wise, like yesterday's news or close your eyes or like, those are kind of like jazz standards. Like I wrote, there's not a ton of room, but then there's other tunes like better tomorrow. Um, this tune wait, like there were a lot of sections in the charts when we went in that just said, indefinite amount of time just play it until it doesn't feel good um you know and like same between sections you know just like after the verse we're gonna play this for a certain amount of time i don't know what it is but when it feels right we'll move into the next verse and like you know that that thing we were just talking about patience like there are a lot of low meandering sections on this record but i'm still more or less following this sort of lightning rod of interest. Like, am I bored? Um, I just think that I've kind of set my threshold to a different place on this one. Um, and this might just be where I'm at in my life. Like, I find that I can be interested in something, even if it isn't on the surface super exciting. Like, if, if in the case of Better Tomorrow, like, it's two fucking chords, but they sound so good just one after another at that slow tempo and tempo on that one was the thing that was exciting to me. It was just like, God, this is so slow. The notes are so far apart because of that. I was like, I want to hear it 
three more times. I don't know. It just it's this weird stuff. No, and, and it draws it, it. It enables on that song specifically enables you to like bounce back and forth between what is the point of attention, the words or the music, because yeah, you know, that that song in itself like. I don't know. Some people might see it as depressing. Some people might see it as uplifting. And, you know, it's a record. Boring. Yeah. Well, no, I don't, <laughs> I, I, don't think, I, I don't think you can be accused of being boring because, you know, there is whether or not your work is autobiographical at some point going through your catalog. And like I, I started at the beginning earlier this week and I've just been like working through it again. Like you invest in the stories you're telling. Right. Thank you. And you're 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 and you're the storyteller. So it's like it's natural for us as listeners to be like, oh, this is this guy, whether or not that's true or not. But I know yeah. there is some truth to a lot of the stuff you're you're writing about. So like in Gene, I think that's about your son, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, I've had this conversation. We might have had it the last time we talked. Yeah. I've heard like I've had this conversation so many times and like everyone's so interested in like, so is it is it like a short story or is it about your life? And I'm like, yes, it is all of <laughs> like, I can't think of one example of someone who wrote completely abstracted from their own life. That'd be if weird. You're writing about characters, <laughs> you know, like yeah. what do you have to fucking gauge your characters on except your own life? Yeah. So, you know, there is this weird thing in music where like you want uh, the thing that, X artist is saying to come from their mouth and be the way they feel about the world. Mm -hmm. And it gets a little confusing when you're talking about somebody like Randy Newman, who's like, oh no, I was actually the devil in that song. I was imagining <laughs> that I was the devil, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah. but still you get this thing where Randy Newman is then thinking like, well, how would I feel if I was the devil as Randy Newman? Right. You know what I mean? Like right. you're still getting pieces of him and all that shit. So in a way I kind of don't buy it. You know, like he says that song, Marie, was about the devil trying to lure uh, someone into hell, lure a woman into hell. I yes, I totally hear that, but I also hear like someone who is like deeply enthralled with a person and trying to convince them to stay with him. Like there's parts of his own experience in that thing that like, you know, whatever the device is. Um, so yeah, I don't know. With my stuff, it's a combination of both. On this one, more than than others. Um, I was a little more direct in what I was thinking about when I was writing it. I was a little closer to home. Um, but in some ways, this record is just a little bit, I don't know, like Gene is a good example. There's a lot of lyrics in that song that don't really add up to me as a writer. They don't make total oh, sense. Like, because they're not so point A to point B. Well, I was going to say, like, your songs, yeah, you know, one of the things that I think... Um, uh, really makes your songwriting special, Robert, is just that all of your songs have such a definite perspective, right? And you're not always like eager to sort of give the listener all the information they they need to understand that. I remember this great, I think Lyle Lovett was talking about his song, Penguins, maybe. Yeah. And he said something like, oh, I like the idea that there's always someone out there who understands a song better than my audience, right? The song is for someone, it's about someone, and they just know stuff about it that that you won't and you can't. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, thinking about that and thinking about Gene in particular, like I was sort of trying to trace the emotional logic of a record that opens with the line, I don't have an answer, don't even know what to say. Yeah. Um, and so, and I, it's, it's like a self-defeating prospect for an interview because you're saying at the start of the record, like, I, I, I don't know, right? Like the people asking you what it's about. Yeah, it's about my life. It's not about my life. But, but, but as the record moves on, you do seem to come like 
the speaker, uh, the protagonist, does seem to come across some 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 pieces of knowledge, some facts or some things that they know to be true, even if that thing is just like, hey, you should go to bed and you'll feel better tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, that is that is a kind of an answer, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all written from the perspective of a father, you know, or a parent. Um, and to me, that's what's interesting about this whole ride and this whole journey of, of being a parent is like, yes, on the one hand, I'm like, don't touch that. It will burn you. Um, but like there, an, an interesting thing happened to me and maybe this is just, maybe it happens to everybody. I don't feel like it does because as far as I can see all around me, we get older and we start to get sort of like, I just very convinced that we know everything. Um, and especially when we have kids, we, we get into this thing. We're like, well, when you're older, you'll understand. I can't tell you how many fucking times I've heard that. You know, it's, well, when you get older, you'll understand and you just don't know anything because you're so young. And I, I do feel like there's this tendency as we age to just get more and more set in our ideas. And if anything, having kids has kind of done the opposite to me. Like, I, I want more than anything for my children to know that I am there for them and that uh, I'm going through the same things they are. And Gene in particular, it's mostly to me about just anxiety about this fucking monster of like anxiety and fear that we all live with and kind of just saying to my kid like yes i have it too and it is scary and like i don't really have a good answer for making it go away but if anything i hope that you feel better knowing that like you're not alone it it struck me too as a interesting way to open it because i think the most for me, at least, the most emotionally resonant song on uh, Texas Piano Man was Father. Yeah. Um, and it seems almost like an answer to that. Like, if you if you didn't know that you had kids, like, you'd just be like, oh, but this is the subject matter that is important to him uh, from the other perspective of that. And, like, it just answers a lot of questions, I think. And says, hey, the, the narrator, narrator in here is is here for this kid where maybe – the yeah. father wasn't like there and whether it's the same yeah. person is unclear. I find yeah. that kind of writing fascinating because you know, these stories, if you, I mean, is, is there a Robert Ellis connected universe? Sure. Why not? <laughs> you know? But it doesn't have to be. And, and a lot of artists aren't like that. Um, but if there is, I think that's a fascinating progression to this, to get to this really small, like snapshot of your life. Yeah. You know, rather than have it be blown up this whole big experience, except for yesterday's news, which I think I think has to be considered in the uh, first of all, I think that is an all time great song by anybody. Thank you. Um, You pair it with that video and it just elevates it like even further. I, I can't even because you clearly weren't when you and your wife were shooting this video looking like, oh, you know, it'd be great art if we like look back 10 years from now, <laughs> like, because like, <laughs> nobody thinks like that. No, no, I would love to take credit for that. But that's what happened when you yeah. were, when you were putting that all together, like, do, are those two things inseparable for you? Like the video and the, and the song? I mean, they were until the video just mm. magically, I'm, 
this is something that, you know, having done a bunch of interviews and you guys have given a bunch of interviews, like everybody gets to this point in the process where the record's done. And then you ask like, well, what did, what do you think about that? How'd you do that? And then everyone has like this grand reason for why they did everything about the record. Oh, yeah, well, no. you know, I didn't want to make XXX happen. <clears throat> and it's very fucking easy after the fact to come up <laughs> all narrative of why you did everything. But it's not true. The, the reason most of us do everything we do is just like, I'm not, I don't know. I kind of just had a gut feeling in that moment. I did it. And then afterwards I was like, Ooh, here's a cool explanation. <laughs> you know, like, and the video, I luckily am surrounded by very talented, creative people. Uh, my wife, among them, and she and I came up with this idea seven years ago ish that we were going to make a short film that we had written out a script for. It was a narrative short film concept about life on the road for a musician who is away from his partner. Um, and so over the course of years, we were recording through like Google, um, Google Voice or whatever, we were recording all of our phone calls to one another. And we used those phone calls as sort of the, the narrative driving force in this short film. And they're real phone calls. At some point, we just forgot we were talking. Um, and we, we then we had this story and we decided, okay, well, she's going to come on tour now and start filming just everything. Um, and we went all over, we went to Japan, all over Europe, I don't know, five different tours of the States, like so many different places. And she just came with me and we filmed everything. And we had a few things that we knew we wanted to get for the film, but a lot of it was just her being around and filming it. And, uh, kind of thank God that short film we made like three or four different edits of it and neither of us ever thought it really got there. It just didn't do what it was supposed to do. So we just were like, fuck it, scrap it. We moved on to other stuff. And I reached out, um, you know, after the record was recorded, I was like talking to Erica, like, I want to make a video for yesterday's news. I had some ideas, but nothing was really coming to me. And she's like, let me look back through that footage because I feel like we have a lot of footage and maybe there's something there. Um, and like she, there's hard drives and hard drives full of that shit that just was never used. And so she, she sent me a rough cut and I was like, holy shit, this is probably my favorite video that you've ever made. And we had no intention that any of this was going to be used this way. Um, I don't know. It just, it all was a beautiful accident. Um, and the, I don't know, sort of to what we were saying earlier, just following that lightning rod, that that this is interesting, this is cool, this is interesting, and just like going in the direction of whatever is kind of exciting at the time and just like jumping into it, like that's that's kind of where my head's at. I think where her head's at now. And I've I found it to be of great effect to just like follow my shit. Well, it's a it's an interesting choice for for a record that is that was you recorded this over just a couple of days yeah. right and it's it's a it's a record that sounds like i don't know firmly you know rooted in place um on you know in in one way in another way there's a song you know there's there's on the run there's that you know in the in in wait is, is it in wait i think that there's a there's a there's like a stretch in the middle where it sounds like the guitars really want to kind of break into uh break into a stride or into a run and then, and you pull back at the end, right? That's the sort of tamp it down and, and, and keep it quiet. So that uh, there's something about the, like the, the, the peacefulness of the record contrasted with the kind of 
like the miles that were obviously logged in the making of the video that that really just creates like a fascinating contradiction for me. Yeah. I, th- I mean, visually, I think about that all the time. My favorite music to listen to in like an airport is generally very quiet or uh, I love like rhythmic, weirdly rhythmic music. Like um, I like Philip Glass, Glassworks, for instance, like yeah, put that on yeah. next time you're standing in the, the security and just like put it on in your headphones and like, I, I don't know, there's, and also like jazz especially like solo or duo jazz music that's like quiet but moving, like there's a lot of movement. There's something really weird about watching just the chaos of humanity through that lens. And I don't know, depending on where you are, zoomed in or out, it can either look very fast or very slow. Um, It can look like everyone's functioning as this one big unit and that's happening as a slow process. Or if you zero in, everyone's like playing their shit and like you know going through security and like it's very chaotic and crazy and i without getting too abstract and weird like that's also kind of the universe depending on where you look it's either fucking exploding and on fire or it's freezing cold and nothing is happening and right <laughs> right it's all happening at the same time in the same place has that kind of driven you sort of gravitating more towards like a more open, more ambient jazz, because I mean, I, I think both Ed and I both have, and this is, and, and I think it was, I don't, I don't want to say it's purely a function of the pandemic, but I think it had a lot to do with it. I think it was just like listening to all the stuff. And then, like you said, everything, everything is fucking happening. How do I escape? Yeah. And you can drugs, you can alcohol, a lot of a lot of different things, but it was just like, what if I put on headphones and this works? And then it did, and it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, I don't know. I've always listened to that stuff, though. Like, as long as I can remember, there's a Bill Evans record called Alone. Like, I think mm. I first heard it when I was like 17 or 18, and I have listened to it so many fucking times. Like, I know every note of that record in and out. And for uh, years... I go through weird periods where I'll listen to the same record when I fall asleep every night for like five years straight. Oh. Um, and that one was that record for a long time in my early 20s. And then another record of his called Undercurrent became that for a while. And I'll just, I'll get into these phases where like for years I'm listening to the same record every single day. Um, and usually they're really quiet, really ambient, but to fall asleep to something for me, it can't be either too boring or too exciting. You know, like I can't just put on white noise because then my thoughts will race. Um, and I feel similarly about like fucking, I don't know, like really nice ambient piano stuff. Like I'll just start thinking about other stuff and I won't be able to relax. But jazz is a weird, there's a weird intersection there. Like a lot's happening, especially for a musician. Like you could grab onto a lot, but. I also can just let it kind of fly by me and I can just let it kind of hit me as sound. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's strange. But that was another thing about this record is I started think Chet Baker was another one for a long time that I was just listening to Chet Baker when I would fall asleep every night. Um, and I wanted this record 
to be a record that you could fall asleep to. Like that's something we talked about in the, in the recording process of like, that's why we can't get above a certain threshold of volume and excitement is because I don't want anything to pull you out of that weird dreamlike state as you're, as you're drifting, right. you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it does require, uh, an investment in time in a different way. You know, I mean, you've, you've been in, you've been making records for a while now. So, you know, like the industry and people want it to like, you know, pop and they want it to be a thing. And that's, that's not how we are as people necessarily. <laughs> like everybody, everybody is like, loves like reality trash or whatever. And that's a whole other problem. But like, that's, I, I, I don't think as, as a core, that's who we are. And anytime you can slow down and like, look at an artist like yourself or a jazz artist or stuff and really like not just the record, like look at records. You might like you listen to stuff and fall asleep to it for like a year straight and stuff. But yeah. that's just because that's where you stopped for a while. Mm-hmm. But you're also yeah. like going out amongst those other records and like, oh, yeah. it, and, and it, you know, it's something we've been talking a lot about this year on the show is getting people to do that. And don't just like, if, if we're talking about, like if we're talking about your record, don't just listen to this record. Listen to like all your records because it, it's going to inform this. Yeah. Like if you hear photographs and then hear this, it's like a whole, like it, it like yeah. I said, it's this whole like world. You're like, oh shit. Okay. So these themes are popping up a lot of times. So maybe this is what he's writing about. And yeah. these are his concerns, whether you know it or not, you know, it could be unconscious, but they keep showing up and up. Like on weight, it's existentially like a really weird song yeah because i because because i don't know like it it's it goes like super dark but then all of a sudden it's light but then it, maybe it's light because it's somebody else which is like can be codependent it's just it's a masterful piece of like making you like think about your existence and and like, yes I think about birds well, listening to that. <laughs> well, thank you. That's a weird, that's a really weird one. And I don't really know what that song is about per se. I'm not, you know, like I don't really, know. that's what I mean about this record being a little less pinned down. Like this is kind of the first time that I can truly say, I'm like, really know what that's about. I can tell you what I was thinking about when I wrote it, but even that is kind of abstract. Like writing that song, I was thinking about hospice facility in the very last part of someone's life and being with them in this wow. transitional phase. But I wasn't thinking about it in a super specific way. And I, I feel like as I started to write the words, I checked myself over and over from like, let's not make this too narrative or too specific. Let's just try and make it be the color of that room and feel like the, you know what I mean? Like, how do I just make feel like that room without giving you the details, you well, know? And, and it's wild because like the first time I, like I really like connected with it, like I felt it was about depression. Yeah. And maybe it is, but then I felt it wasn't. Then I was like, oh, this is, and then it was like, oh no, this is just normal. This is how people, right? This is not, de- this is not depression. This is just like, this is what people think about. And then something steers them in another direction because life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's always that that fine line between like a brilliant insight and realizing you've just restated like one of the most basic <laughs> of existence, right? You're like, oh my God, is this fucking genius or am I just, right? Yeah. So. Well, all of the, 
the most like magnificent revelations I've ever had are the things that are fucking sitting right in front of you and you just don't recognize. And that's most people like, I don't know, these like, you hear about these, um, these like Zen monks who will have someone come and sit every single day and ask questions like, uh, what is the secret to enlightenment? What is the secret to peace? And then the monk comes over with like this cane and just fucking smacks the shit out of the <laughs> and, and then the next day the same thing happens the same thing happens and finally one day the guy puts his hand up and he stops it and like that's the moral of the story though the sin monk is just like <laughs> i want you to be awake right now react like stop fucking living in the clouds like the point of existence is to stop the cane when it's coming at your face and to participate in life like how obvious is that like eat when you're hungry sleep when you're tired and do the things of being alive like well that you know the record feels to me a lot like um you know maybe if and this is uh definitely a kind of ex post facto tying it all together but it does it does feel to me like the songs are about um kind of giving up on things that uh sort of like peeling things away until the only thing that's left is something that you know is true. And so, you know, you start like on, you know, I think it's on the run. There's the, uh, you know, we always end up in a place we already know. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, and then there's a sort of like, okay, well, what are we running from? And the last line is we're running from ourselves. Right. And, and it's just this sort of like, uh, the speakers seem to be trying things out until they're left with like the one thing they know that they can say is true. Like I'm not, I'm not ready to go yeah. on weight. Right. Or, you know, if you go to bed, you'll, you can feel better tomorrow. Like that is like, I really do view that as like, that's not, it's not all the answers, but that is an, an answer to something that you give at the, at the end of the record. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, thank you. Again, I don't fucking know what the record's about. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. <laughs> but no, I yeah. I do think a lot of the shit is, you know, trying to figure out for myself, both as a musician and as a parent, like, what is it that I can actually say that is true and is not going to hurt anything? You know, like, it's so complicated. I do not want to presume to have any answers, really. But, like, I do want to, I don't know, it's just, really difficult balance of trying to just figure out like what can I do to not steer this person in the wrong direction to not like fuck them up you know like what is what is the thing that would be most helpful here like um I don't know yeah and like that that's something better tomorrow talking about like maybe there's a solution to all these problems but the real thing to do would just be to like go to sleep and wait and see how you feel about it tomorrow you know what I mean like I, f- I feel like I was. I feel like I was forty yeah. before I understood that. Like when you feel terrible, you can just go to bed. You're allowed to just go to bed. You know. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or it was like take a breath and like realize that that feeling is its own thing. That feeling of the anxiety or the whatever, like it exists there, but it doesn't have to be. Like it isn't something you have to give yourself over to. You can just live in the feeling for a second, knowing that your perspective is going to inevitably change, you know, like with a little time. And you can just, I don't know, th- these are things as a grown up that I'm learning. Like anxiety is this thing that overwhelms you and overtakes you and it makes your thoughts race. You don't have to be, uh, you know, subservient to those thoughts. You don't have to believe them. You can just 
acknowledge them and be like, well, that phone call from that random number is probably not the police telling me that. <laughs> you know, like, whatever like, anxiety thought that you're having, you know, you go, oh, fuck. What if that's some really crazy thing that's going to ruin my life? You, I don't think that you can make those thoughts go away, at least not in my experience, but you can get to where you know them and you treat them like a weird friend who just like comes yeah. around and like fucks you up for a minute. Well, and- I, I think to the point of speaking firsthand, like I, I think treating it like a weird friend is a good way to do it, but also understanding that it is weirdly external, even though it's internal. So for years I took anti-anxiety meds and then I was like, I didn't like waking up feeling hungover unless yeah. I had done the work to be hungover. <laughs> Like, yeah. like if, if I did right. the work, you got to earn it. You got to earn it. Yeah. But, and so I stopped. And for a few months, it was very, it was raw. I mean, it was just very like, how do, how do you deal with manage thinking just weird fucking thoughts? And then, yeah. and then you're just like, oh, I just think weird thoughts. You'd yeah. be happy with yourself. You're like, okay. Like, yeah. I'm lucky. I'm, I'm lucky. I'm yeah. lucky to be with a partner that understands that about me. And, and so she's like, yeah, sure. But, you know, it, it, it it is counter to, I think, what the world wants you to be when you're out in it most times, unless you're an entertainer like you. Like, they, they want you to be, like, buttoned up, straight, you know, no problems, presenting your best face. But, like, performers go crazy, man. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it would yeah. be like, oh, you suffer for your art. And it's like, no, that's yeah. not. Well, like, I don't know. I I think a lot of this is just, my own shit that I am annoyed by and I probably shouldn't be annoyed by, but like, I just don't in books or, uh, music or anything, movies. I don't ever like being told solutions. I really don't. I I don't like answers. Like, I think that's one of my biggest gripes with religion in general is like, I think it's weird to be like, Oh, you're unhappy. Well, here's the answer. Like, I, I wish somebody early on had just said, oh, unhappy, that's a part of being alive. Like, that's a feeling that you will experience and you don't need to fix it. Like, I, and there's not a fixing it. Like, it is as much a part of being alive as being happy is. And like, it, I just, understanding that those feelings really can't exist without one another. Like, they're the, a part of the same thing. If you didn't have, um, you know, a fear of death, you wouldn't enjoy life as fully as you do. I don't know. It's like, again, very simple shit. Well, there's, there's, um, you know, I, for the last couple of years or so, um, anyone who's had like, a kind of meaningful conversation with me has probably heard me say some version of, uh, you know, if there's no problem, if there's no solution, then there's also no problem. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, I, I was like, at one point I was like, where does that phrase come from? And, and kind of what is the origin of it? And it's like a Duchamp quote. It's like a, but but in his formulation, it was, uh, you know, the reason it's something like the reason you're having a hard time coming up with the solution for this is because there is, in fact, no problem. Um, yeah. And I, I really, you know, I think I think that's such a such a hard thing to accept. Um, and I think kind of what we're all saying is like, yeah, you spend a, a good chunk of your younger life wondering where the answers are or not liking the answers and 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 kind of not contemplating the fact that that you there may not be a question so you may not need an answer yeah yeah and just like fucking existing and like i sitting uh, this is 
just where I'm at in my life and in music and all of it. I'm just like, this is the program. Like this thing that I'm doing yeah, right yeah. now, it's just yeah. the, I'm on the other yeah, side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is it. I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. It's pretty much this. Yeah. I'm settled into it. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't have, I don't know. I feel like I can hear in early recordings of my own and just thinking about myself, you know, at a younger age, like I can hear this, like just desire to go somewhere and to do something and to be something else and to find, you know, like, but I honestly, I don't have, I'm pretty good. Like this is the thing that brings me joy is making the music and doing that is like the goal. So it's interesting you say yeah. that we did, we just talked to Eric, uh, from fruit bats, Eric Johnson. And he yeah. basically said the same thing. He said he, er, earlier in his career, he was so obsessed with like making sure people understood him and not just understood him, but understood him in the right way. Yeah. yeah like, totally. oh, like, oh, I'm, I'm glad you love that song, but that's not what I meant. So let me tell you yeah. what I meant. And now he's not. And, and you can hear it in the work. And, uh, and I think you can hear it in your work too, you know, back to just being stripped down. You, uh, know a fuck ton about music to put it mildly and it shows up and it shows up in your records right and uh you know to have that stripped out and to be able to make something that doesn't use all those tricks or uses them in a very different way that they are so uh not obvious yeah um is it's it sounds like just coming to an acceptance of like yeah i'm fine i'm because your career doesn't stop now. Like this isn't yeah. the last record. <laughs> no. And I'll get excited about something else next. And it could right. be like maximalism. Like <laughs> I'm here for that too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could be just like wall to wall insanity for fucking two hours or whatever. Like that might be the thing that is exciting, you know, depending where we're state. Oh, uh, I write the record like that. But I mean, I don't know. There's, all of it is just makes your head turn in when you think about it too much. I do kind of hope that. So, I do you know George Saunders, the author George Saunders? Huge fan. Yeah. yeah. Love, love, yeah. love him so much. He had a book um, last year that was really cool book on writing the swim in a, in a small pond or whatever. I, it's it's in a pile around around the corner from where I'm sitting right now. I haven't haven't cracked it open. Pick yet. it up. It's fucking okay. awesome, and it is. It's an analysis of Russian short stories. And it's one that he teaches at his, his course in Syracuse. Um, and what the book is, is it's a piece of a Russian short story like, um, you know, Chekhov. Or like, I think there's 12 different authors in there. And at least in the first couple, what he'll do is you'll read a page of the short story. Then you'll read a page of Saunders' analysis of it. And he'll just talk about what's happening. And you get the whole story that way. You know, like, and then as he gets further down, he starts doing like four pages at four pages or, or, you know, whatever. But one of the things that he talks about a lot is that these conventions, these like very, um, inside baseball things about writing rules, like you can take them to mean that I need to write an exact sort of thing like Chekhov did, or you can take the overarching concepts and you can do weird shit with them like he does. Like the fact that he's writing about something super weird and abstract, like it could all be about the dream that a dog had or whatever. Like 
it doesn't mean that he's disregarding the rules about flow and momentum and like just interesting things like the and i think songs are really similar to short stories like you have so much you have to do in a very short amount of time and sometimes because of that you have to rely on like the reader to fill in a lot of blanks and you also have to be pretty lean with your language like it's, it's like Chekhov's gun or whatever. Like, you can't fucking introduce some shit that you don't use. There's no time. But, like, you could take those concepts and you could do something super weird with it. Like, it doesn't mean that it has to be a story about a woman getting bread in town. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like so anyway, I, what I was, what I meant to say is I hope that some of this stuff that I feel like I'm just now learning and fully embracing on this record. I, I hope that it stays with me and I hope I can't see myself doing a full U-turn from some of these ideas. What that means, I don't know. Like it could be visually and arrangement wise totally different, but like I don't know, there's patience in this stuff that I kind of don't ever want to lose. Like, um Yeah, I don't know. There's just there's something about this new thing where I'm just like following that that sort of uh, lightning rod and I'm like ooh that's exciting I want to do that for a minute and I, I don't know it just like it feels utterly natural yeah and that's that's the best place to be like when when you're making something yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think you know if you the more you push to do something that feels a little weird because you want to achieve something yeah. uh, generally people can tell that you're doing that and yeah and it doesn't always resonate it doesn't often resonate i think um but if you if you're just like this is and again it's 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 a taking a larger view of an artist whether it's music whether it's literature anything and being like who was this person yeah and not who was this person like who was this person in the songs like i know robert ellis because i like listen to his songs in a way you do but not in an autobiographical way yeah yeah because you can no, you, definitely zero in on like why you keep writing these type of songs you can do that and yeah. that'll t that'll inform you probably a lot more than you'd be comfortable with <laughs> people inform yeah. like who you are as a person but uh i think that's what's kind of magical about all this stuff right it's just it it's like you just pick up a record and like you're connected i have I have over here, I've got like a ton of records in the other room, but this is just my little shelf where I keep a couple that I'm listening to. And right now, I'm going on this deep dive of classical shit. Oh, wow. Super into recordings from certain time periods and certain conductors. Uh, and I was just telling a friend, like the thing that's so cool about this type of music, especially, is like, I'm communicating with someone like super deep in the past in a way like, like I'm getting fucking super deep into Beethoven in this way that I'm like I do feel like I know something about the dude well music music is basically just spells that people left around right like that's what recordings yeah. are like they're these little magical things they make people feel things they change the world they act on the world they endure they're forever right um, it's, it's also a collection of math though like it, yeah. you know and yeah. and because you make music you you don't think dissimilar from beethoven like there there's some thought process in there that is exactly the same whether or not you're doing the same type of work 
And like, yeah, like you said, you cannot understand like, oh, shit. Like, I bet, no. I bet he, he was yeah. worried about this, too. We can relate to each other through the ages. It's fucking bizarre. Um, yeah. And then, like, the added layer right now of, like, different ensembles, different conductors, like, different recording technology. Like, it adds all this whole new dimension to me of, like, you can hear just different facets of the composer's intent filtered through different people. You know, like... Like that's fucking wild, um, and just I don't know. It's so interesting, um, and yeah, it's just I I think what you were saying earlier, you were like we want to encourage people to go down these deep dives and like don't just listen to one record, listen to all of it, get some context. You guys do that naturally because you love music, and you realize that when you do that, there's this like other level of richness and excitement that you can have about music and. I I think that yeah I generally like I teach a bunch of guitar I teach a bunch of music to people and like I believe fully that there's no, like anyone can get this bug <laughs> you know like, so yeah. that I'm glad you said that because uh, this is my belief so like it took me until I was like 49 and I got back into like actually like making music. But but I was yeah. making I was playing music since I was five, so there's a lot of like twenty years in between there where I was just like no, but like it's definitely like in me or whatnot. And somebody asked me about that, and I said, well, I think because I didn't want to say anything, but also I think you can do what I I do to to a certain degree, and and I do believe that. I think everybody has that. It's just a it's choosing which mode you want to communicate in, whether it's music. Uh, or literature, but I do think music is easier because uh, the, te the technology is caught up a little more. Um, but it just feel it's I, I think it's more natural. So you you teach a lot of these people. Do you see that when we when we talked last, you talked about still taking guitar lessons? I still teach and take, which was which was that oh. kind of put me on the path because I was like, fuck, I'm not really playing my guitar. I should be playing my guitar <laughs> and I still yeah. haven't, I still haven't like taken more lessons, but I have been like actually just looking at online shit. I'm like, Oh, I haven't run scales in like 15 years. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's, let's just fucking do all that. Do you see though, that potential in the people that you're dealing with? Like, do you, what, what do you take on beginners and advanced people or just the whole spectrum? I mostly just teach. Um, I, it's all over zoom now. And I mostly just teach like players. Um, you know, and it's, it's a lot of like professional players, you know, like that's mostly what I'm doing is people that write songs, people that play gigs. And in large part, we're talking about kind of complicated stuff. Like I haven't had a beginner student in a while. Um, and it's mostly just cause I'm too expensive and I will tell, you know, if somebody's like, will you teach my granddaughter? I'll be like, I will, but you could probably find someone better equipped to do that. Um, and for a lot less money. So I'm not really doing that, but I am, I like every time I go into my office and do a lesson, I always come back in and Erica's like, you're always so happy after you teach. Like, and maybe, maybe I just like to hear myself talk or something, but I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it scratches that itch for me though, the same way it does for them. I'm just like, I fucking love music. I love talking about music, thinking about music, like all of it is just really fun and it's a cool thing you can share with somebody. And so, I, that's the same reason I like to take lessons 
usually after a lesson, hearing somebody that's deeply passionate about it, like kind of just give me their worldview more or less, you know, about music. I'll like hang up the phone and immediately sit down and start. I'd like, it just fires me up to play more. Um, that, and that's another interesting question. Somebody asked in the studio the other day, like, um, like, man, when you're doing this, like, I got a lot of things going on and I'm very busy. Um, and somebody was like, when you get home, you probably just don't even want to think about music. And I was like, it's the weirdest thing because it's the only thing in my life. It's kind of the opposite. Like the more I do it, the more I'm, I'm in that zone and I want to do it. And I just, I won't be able to go to sleep because it'll be all I'm thinking about, you know, like, but it's in those dry spells where I'm not really doing any of it. That's when it's like a fucking desert. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I found I have to have activities to not think if I'm working on something. So like I'm, I'm mixing something right now. And my process yeah. is kind of like I ha- I know the melody and it's all it's all instrumental. I know the melody. I know what I'm doing, but I also know I'm going to have to mix this, and I'm not great at mixing, and I'm going to have to master. And like so, but I, I'm thinking the yeah, dude, it's it's fucked up, but <laughs> but but when I'm in it, like it feels like very anxious, and like it'll wake me up. Yeah. Like, oh, there's that cello part. Oh, there, there's that horn part. Like that, it'll fucking wake me up at five in the morning, and I have to get up. I have to go like do something, and even if it's just like enter something in there. But I hit a stage with this track where I knew that it was all there, and it was like everything just like lifted for twenty four hours. I was like, "Oh God, this feels good, man!" Like, all yeah. right, like I did it. Like it's not done. It's probably gonna sound like shit still, but it's like I that. Code. You saw. You solved the I problem. I solved the problem. Yeah, you solved it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I will tell you, at least for me, that has gotten much easier, and now happens at a, a much more often, like my rate of like that feeling when you sit down, you start writing a song, and then an hour later, you have something that you can kind of look at. Like lately, and knock on wood, every song on this record that we're talking about. That's kind of where I left it is like after that initial hour, I didn't pick it apart. That's part of why some of this shit doesn't make any sense. And I don't know what it's about is because it was just that feeling out. And then I was like, you know what? That's good. Just leave it. That's such Um, a learned skill, man. It really is. I have, I have two incredibly short, uh, shallow, stupid, trivial questions. It's a terrible way to end such a nice I love deep it. chat. Uh, and, and maybe Kevin will edit this out by the time he gets around to it. But will there be socks uh, will, on the merch table? I had, those were so uh, expensive. I don't know if I'm oh, going to do it. Okay. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. I, st- I still have my Texas Piano Man That's because they were um, really well made. They, they're really nice. They are. They're, they're, they're durable. They get a lot of wear. Um, my other question is, do you ever get mistaken uh, when people see your name? Do people ever think you're the vapor guy from oh, YouTube? Luckily, people don't really know him like okay. outside of people <laughs> that have searched my name on YouTube. <laughs> He's got 160,000 followers. I know. It's, it's incredible. I, I sort of took a deep dive on his stuff yesterday. It was yeah, not, not, I mean, not pleasant. I've been wanting me. to reach out to him and see if he'll do a review of this record because I think because he does <laughs> reviews. <laughs> I just think that would be really funny. But that's Fantastic. and that is not outside of the realm of possibility. I don't know if, if you guys know there's also a best selling author named Robert Ellis. He yeah. wrote some really cool crime fiction, um, sort of crime noir. Anyway, to much to the chagrin of my label and management a few years ago, I was like, 
we have to get a bio written. I was like, Robert Ellis is going to write it. And I was like, I need you guys to contact the best-selling author, Robert Ellis. (laughs) And so I got in touch with him and we became buds and he wrote the bio. No shit. That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. So great. Absurd. So great. I think uh, we can wind this down and uh, I really, touching on your guitar playing, which I don't think people, maybe they do. I understand how fucking good a guitar player you are. Wow, but, thank you. But you are. So really, I just want to end with, with one question. In a crossroads-type guitar battle, <laughs> who who's winning, you or Glenn Campbell? Oh, Glenn Campbell. I mean, <laughs> sure. But I would say Ralph Macchio is going <laughs> to... Well, based on what happened last time. <laughs> yeah yep yep um yeah so everybody go out and get yesterday's news uh this has been fun we will have so to make fun. it uh sooner than like what six seven years next yeah. time <laughs> yeah and uh you are let's see this is out when is it out may may 19th may 19th yeah selling them through your label is that that's the only place you can get the vinyl right you can get it through my website, or it'll be in indie retail. And um, oh, it will be. Yeah, I mean, we're do- it's all, it's all the same shit, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, real quick about the label. What made you want to start yep. a label? Just. I mean, I don't think I really wanted to start a label. Um, I, I was on a label for a long time, and I've got nothing nothing bad to say. Um, but I just hit this point in my life where I just am like, I want, I want more control over this. And I, I feel like, you know, a lot of the relationships that I had, um, through putting out records on a label, I now have those relationships. And like, I was just like, oh, I can go get fucking distribution, you know? And like, also, I, I think the biggest piece of it is like through everything we're doing in the studio, producing other bands, like building a sense of community is super important for me right now. And it's something that I think about a lot. Like I, one thing I will say is I never have felt quite at home anywhere, like in any genre, at any festival. There's just, there hasn't been a time where I was like, okay, this all makes sense. You know, like if you go to my Spotify and you look at like, you might also like this, like generally, and no offense to anybody, but the artists that it recommends are not people that I listen to or consider myself in the same genre even sometimes. So, and it's not all of them, but like that's, that's been part of it. And I just, I don't know what the label, it's like, I want to start to build this thing that can kind of give an umbrella to a bunch of weirdos who feel the same way, you know, and like, just, yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely beautiful. That, that's the way it should be. I, th- I yeah. think I think I think you know we're in strange new territory now with everything in the music industry. Yeah, and and I think the more people can do that, um, it'll force them to pay more attention. I think. Yeah, yeah. and looks. I mean, there's plenty. I grew up on that, like Drag City, like yeah. Polyvinyl, like. Yeah those labels that just had this identity and I was like, I'm going to just listen to whatever they put out. Cause I just like all of it. And you know, you think of those bands that were on those labels at that time as like this weird family of like 
there's some organizing principle going on here and I don't even know exactly what it is, but I trust them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, thanks for talking, dude. And uh, good luck with the record, man. Thank you. I'll talk to y'all soon, hopefully. I gave it a go. And shot for the moon. The only way that I know. Too little, too soon. Had my day in the sun. Then gone like the dew. I'd only begun yesterday's news. Good times with Robert Ellis. Um, I don't. That was the first time you've talked to him, right, Eduardo? Yeah, I had I had seen him on that on the Texas Panel Man tour. We talked a little bit about that in the in the chat, but um, but I hadn't I hadn't I hadn't met him before, and it was and it was you know it's it's just it's everything I said in the intro. It's just like, damn, you're so good at everything, Robert. It's I, not I, fair. I I got the impression like halfway through this thing, I think you didn't understand how funny he was. But the dude is yeah. <laughs> funny, but it comes yeah. through as all of his songs, right? The 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 way mm-hmm. the way you can um, basically prevent heartbreak in in art from really breaking someone's heart is sort of sort of covering it with humor. Um, him and Eric Johnson do that. You know, this is the second yeah. second person we've talked to uh, this year about that, and he's just really really good at it, and just knows when to like. I'm telling you a story, and then you just go for it. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah. no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was fun. And uh, like you heard it say, I hope it's not like seven more years, six or seven more years. Yeah. Uh, if we ever go to South by Southwest or something, I'm sure it'll be there. We'll drag Barno along. It'll be a, it'll be a party. It'll be a great time. It'll yeah. be a party that I don't know if I can keep up with because I'm old. But <laughs> <laughs> you all can you all can pick up my slack. Uh, well, it, needs, it, need, it needs to happen soon if I'm going to be picking up your slack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yesterday's news is available everywhere. Uh, I went to buy the vinyl today. I don't think it's out till like June, but it's coming if it's not. Yeah. Um, it's a pre order from his, uh, from, uh, was it Nile City? Is that the, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. the record label. So, so go out and get that. Uh, if you hadn't, if you haven't gotten Sean's record, go out and get that. Uh, what else? Next week we have Chessa Rich. Not she's not on the show. We're, we're not an interview show. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about her album, Deeper Sleeper, and a bunch of other new music that we like. And then uh, we will sort of ease on into summer and and sort of off your headphones for a little while after a few right. more episodes, and then uh, sort of enjoy the outside, uh, which is a thing you have to do in Wisconsin. Like. It, this yeah. is this is just like everything's popping and it's just like yeah it's time to go <laughs> open the windows leave them open uh, and just listen to music and come back with more new music in the fall to like let everybody 
know about. Hell yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, everybody have a good rest of your weekend and we will see you next week.